and welcome to another edition of the Hitting the Hardwood podcast, your home for all the latest Minnesota links and WNBA news, analysis, and coverage. Thank you for tuning in to another episode this week. I'm your host, Mitchell Hansen, and this week I am joined by a longtime friend of the podcast, a multi-episode guest, I guess you could call him, um, very good friend of mine, uh, Jack Borman, who is the site manager of Canis Hoopus. Um, does a great job covering the Wolves and the Lynx. Um, I'm in my first year of covering the Lynx alongside Jack and Leo and Benny and the rest of the team um, at Canis Hoopus, and it, it's been a blast all year long. So Jack has been great, um, not only as somebody to bounce ideas off of, somebody to talk basketball with, um, you know, at, at any given time of the year, um, but it, he's been a, a blast to have on the podcast, um, chat Lynx with throughout the year. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to have him on the podcast again this week. Um, this week, we, we kind of dive into a lot of what we saw throughout the regular season for the Lynx, now with the, the regular season over with. Um, and then we preview the playoffs. We preview the first round matchup against the Connecticut Sun um, coming up here this week and uh, what we could anticipate from that matchup, what Minnesota could do that they, they carried on through the regular season into the postseason, what they might care, be able to carry on into the postseason. And then we uh, we, we kind of dive into really everything else. I mean, we, we break down the team um, during the year, um, the matchups in the playoffs. Um, we touch on the, the potential for the future again um, with this team. We answer questions that, that some of you submitted on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever that may be. Um, so a lot of great stuff. Uh, we, we really do take, and I'm not just saying this, we take a deep dive into to just about everything um, when it comes to the links. So... Um, you can you can listen to that podcast here in a second, but before we get to that, I want to um, point out our Patreon page or, or uh, kind of bring up our, our Patreon page. Um, you can visit patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood um, to join our Patreon community. That's where you'll find a lot of uh, exclusive perks or you'll receive a lot of exclusive perks, such as early access to podcasts like this one. Um, you can get discount at our, our Hitting the Hardwood store um, with the merchandise that is there. Um, you get exclusive bonus content. You get exclusive news. Um, last week, I let everybody know what the the, the Kale McBride news was before it actually broke. Um, so if you're a part of our Patreon community, you would have known that a, a few hours in advance of the actual announcement. But there's a lot of really good um, perks, and I, I try and make it worth it to everybody that is so gracious to offer up their their hard-earned dollars to to support Patreon. Um, and it honestly, it's, it's really not that much. I'm not just saying that it's not much a month. It's, it's honestly less than a cup of coffee a month. Um, I know that's a a common phrase that gets thrown out there, but it really is just, you know, as much as a cup of coffee a month. And, and I try and make it worth it. And if you do join our Patreon page and you see something that I'm, I'm not doing, you, you, you know, you kind of see a wasted opportunity somewhere. Let me know. Um, is there something I don't, you don't like that I do? Let me know if there's something that you do like that I do. Um, please let me know as well. So, uh, please go check that out. It's patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood. Now, without further ado, let's jump into this week's podcast with the one and only Jack Borman. Jack, how are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I, what What's this? Probably three, at least three times you've been on the pod now? Your regular sounds guest. Right. Sounds right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, for, for people that... Um, if you're not already for some reason if you, if you don't if you're not familiar with jack's work you should be following him but um jack is the site manager for canis hoopus um work alongside him doing um a lot of link stuff during the WNBA season um so make sure you're going following jack jack where can people follow you on twitter yes on twitter at jr borman 13 um it's jr b-o-r-m-a-n 13 
Um, I also occasionally tweet from from Canis Hoopus. Um, it's my burner account. Um, it's really our entire site's burner account. Um, so you you may not know if tweet comes from me or or any of other our other staff members. So if I tweet something controversial, um, it's someone else's fault. And if someone else tweets something controversial, it's it's my fault. That's how we that's how we do it. Yep. Um, so so it's cool. a good time. It's yeah. a good policy. Yeah, so definitely go check out uh, Jack and then canishoopas.com. You can check out a lot of uh, Jack's good work and everybody else's good work that that is over there. But um, with that said, Jack, we are finally here and we have some postseason basketball coming up. It's hard to believe that the the regular season's already over, but um, as it always does, it seems to kind of come and go at a, in a blink of an eye. But what what are your thoughts on how the teams stand right now and um, you know how things look going into the postseason? Yeah, I think that, you know, a, a big a big thing for me is just like try not to get caught up in the moment too much with it. I think that a lot of times like you're you're just either like frustrated or at least like as a fan, you're either like frustrated or, or happy just like in the moment based on whether it's a win or a loss. But but I do really think it's important to um you know really keep it in keep in mind like where did we see this team at the start of the year, um, you know, relative to um, to the rest of the league and and have our you know expectations or predictions, I guess, shifted as the year's gone on. Um, and, and yeah, like I, I think when when we look at when we look back at um, you know, like where we we had this Lynx team. Um, so the Lynx finished what at 19 and, and 21. Um by the way, you know, I almost just I was almost spot on with that that preseason uh, prediction and what they were going to finish in the year. But I, I you know, I'll, I'll brush off my shoulders a little bit. We'll, we'll move I, on from I was I was 20. <laughs> I, I thought they were going to be a 500 team at 20 and 20. And um, and I said that the Lynx would surprise some teams and that they would surpass expectations with with Cheryl coaching. We're and both right. I, and I said they'd reach the playoffs and lose in the first round, um, which honestly still looks to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the way in which they've done it has been it's been really encouraging in the sense that, you know, I, I think that we probably thought that how like who was playing might be a little bit different in the sense that, like, I don't think either of us foresaw Lindsay Allen becoming as uh as essential to this team as she as she was um was in the past tense just because it from everything that we've heard doesn't sound like she's um anywhere close to returning um but but who knows that may that may change um we'll we'll ask Cheryl about it this week but um yeah I, I think that the way that they've played so cohesively um and really bought into uh being a really really tough defensive minded team um and really you know, changed a lot of the issues that they had last year, meaning like, like they were one of the worst rebounding teams in the league last year and consistently got killed on the glass. And this year, um, and they turned the ball over religiously last season. Um, and this year was, it was a team that really controlled, um, really controlled the glass and, and a lot of their wins. Um, and, and really like there was a really strong stretch there where the Lynx just did not turn the ball over. Um, and that's why they were winning a lot of these games. They had a lot more shot attempts than their opponents. Um, and then the third big one was that they got to the free throw line. And if you can consistently 
know, rebound the ball, not turn it over and get to the free throw line. That's an excellent winning formula, even in a WNBA that is getting um, more spaced out, shooting more threes um, and seeing more, seeing more offense. But like, if, if you can, if you can get offensive rebounds and get to the free throw line and, um, and shoot well from two, like that's still a winning formula. It's still really efficient basketball, no matter you know how you slice it. Like the math is going to tell you, you know, that's, that's still a, that's still a winning formula. Um, and, and it's been fun to watch this Lynx team play, especially to see, um, fee become what she's become. Um, I can't say sit here and honestly say that I thought fee would solidify herself like far and away as one of the five best players in the WNBA. I, I did not see that coming. Um, but, but to see kind of her just get right in that line and then everybody follow her has been, uh, it's been really fun, really fun to watch and, and certainly more fun than the 2022 team. Um, and as someone covering the team, I obviously like to have fun covering the team, um, as I'm sure you do. Um, and this season was certainly more fun to cover than um, than last season for that reason. Yeah, it, it seems like to your point that they're just in a better headspace right now. It, they're just sure. there's a better vibe around the team. There's just a better vision, which I think is a reason for a lot of it. Um and, and, you know, you know, fee is a big reason for that among other people. But, you know, when, when, I, when you look at the team too, it, you know, if you're just looking at the numbers, they're a team that's in the bottom, what, four or five in most, most categories, like they, you know, statistically, if you're going off stats and how that relates to the, the, um, you know, the win loss record, they shouldn't be as, as good as they are. They probably should be out of the playoffs, but that that speaks to the kind of the relentless of the team, them stepping up late, which is good for a, a young team. But um, yeah, they, I mean, they, they're, they did better than what I thought, especially after that 0-6 start. I don't think anybody expected them to be in the position that they're in and they're, they're doing a great job and they, they have done a great job. They've hit their road bumps at times, which they're experiencing, you know, at the end of the regular season, heading into the postseason. But um, you know, you, 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 kind of ride those ebbs and flows and um i think they're if they could have you know envisioned this outcome at the beginning of the season they would have been very happy with that and and i i think they're they've exceeded some expectations in certain areas um yeah but, and, I, and i and i think too it was you know pretty crazy when you look at the first six games of the season how you know poor they were um, especially late in games, you know, they lost, what was it? Three of the, three of those first six losses were by, by single digits. And then, um, or excuse me, four of those six losses were by single digits. And then I think since then they're like 15 and one or 15 and two in, in single digit games, which is, um, which has been something that's really fun to fun to watch. And, and I think a really important quality of a team heading into the playoffs that if you're, you know, looking at teams that are well-tested, um, you know, it's obviously different to be, to be in the aces or the, the Liberty category where like whatever test, like they don't need to be well tested, right? Mm -hmm. Like those two teams, the only way they can test each other is by going up against one another, really. Um, and, but, but you're looking at the rest of the WNBA. I think the links obviously have really gone through the fire of, of being in all these close games and, and understanding exactly what they need to do um offensively late in the game like where the ball is going to they have a very clear number one score of where the ball is going to they have very capable um you know secondary scores around her in um in Kayla McBride and, and and Diamond Miller um which is really important and um 
I think that that those are, you know, those two things specifically are going to be really interesting um, to follow into the playoffs just because I, I think it's pretty rare um, in the WNBA that that you get a team that has played so many games to to single digits and come out victorious in so many at such a high percentage of, of those games. Right. When when it comes to the the surprises that maybe we saw throughout the year, um, are there any that initially come to mind? You, I know you, uh, you know, you had talked about Nafisa Collier and you know her kind of taking her game to that next level, even after missing most of all of last year. I I don't really even consider last year a year because she only played in four regular season games. But um, for me, it it I guess it would be. Well, two things, I guess. Um, maybe the leadership of of Kale McBride and kind of her two way dominance that she has displayed, maybe a little bit more than ever this year. Um, and then uh, the second one would probably be just the consistency from the rookies. I think we've expected, you know, Diamond Miller to kind of have those ups and downs, and she's had that um, this year. But Dorky Uhas has been outstanding, and and she's just been extremely consistent. Um, so to me, that that's two things that that initially stand out. But how about you? Is there anything that that stands out? Yeah, I, I wrote in this piece that uh, that the Lynx did the equivalent of hitting on seventeen and blackjack when they <laughs> when they drafted Maya Hirsch at number twelve, thinking that that Dorka may still be there at sixteen, and she was. And um, I, I I think that Dorka Uhas has been the second best rookie in the WNBA this season. Um, I think she's been more impactful than, than diamond has. Um, and that's not a slight at all to, to diamond. Like you were just saying, I think that um, diamond's year is gone as a lot, a lot of people expected to, obviously it was really unfortunate that she missed, you know, eight games or nine games or whatever it was there with, with that ankle sprain. Um, but diamond herself said that being out gave her, you know, important perspective of, of her game and where she fits into the team and, and, you know, things she needs to work on and, and basically just how to see the game a little bit differently. Um, but with Dorka specifically, I mean, um, she's just become so important to everything that they do on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, she makes really, really good decisions with the ball in her hands um, as a playmaker. Um, I, I, you know, the amount of games that she's had four or five, six assists in a game, um, has been excellent for a center and, and one not named Jess Shepard at that. Um, and, and I think the way that she's rebounded inside and protected the rim is something that, that I didn't quite fully buy into, um, early on in the season, just because, um, you know, there's a lot of really big, strong physical centers in the WNBA that can really push you off your spot and, um, and make life really tough for you. And I just thought that, um, you know, that those, you know, really strong centers might get the best of Dorka physically, um, but she's really hung in there and, and battled. I think the way specifically in that win over New York, um, when fee wasn't playing, I believe was, was that game when, um, you know, she made John Quell Jones, like an afterthought in that game. I think that, um, you know, matchups like that, she really held her own against Brittany Griner at target center. Um, and when you're, and, and she was really, really good early in the season two against Neko Gwumake, they played the sparks, I think like three times in five games or six games and, and really just kind of got thrown into the fire with guarding all these, um, you know, all these superstar bigs and, and really held her own and, and learned really quickly on the fly. I think that, you know, and in, in this links defense, um, the center is, is un, undoubtedly the most important position in that defense, um, just with how they have to quarterback and call everything out and communicate and make sure everybody around them is rotating and, 
um, and switching and helping correctly. And, um, and she's just been so, so pivotal in that. Um, so I, I definitely think that the Dorka has been the, the biggest surprise. Um, you know, I, I thought that, I thought that she was going to be, you know, more important to the, to the center rotation than, than Nina Milich. I wrote that. Um, so that ended up being, being true, but I mean, I, I really just was, was surprised at, at how, uh, big her, her impact was defensively, um, in this regular season. And I think that, um, you know, she, she gives the coaching staff certainly a lot to think about when it comes to, um, you know, next season already and thinking about what that center rotation is going to look like, um, you know, whether or not she's going to start. Like, I think that's going to be a really, really tough conversation if, if both her and, and Jess Shepard are back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, a topic or kind of the the end goal for the team this year was development and they you know they you know Cheryl's talked about this since day one that they want to get players in there they want to get the time um, on the court and they want them to develop because it's about the future and that's exactly what's happened this year those two rookies have been in the starting lineup more often than not Um, Diamond Miller started in every game um, with the exception of being out Um, Dorky Uhas has kind of you know, obviously switch back and forth, but I think she's kind of solidified basically that, that, that starting center spot. Um, I mean, it, it's exactly what they could have hoped for um, this season. And I think the, you know, with obviously now hindsight's 2020, if you look at, you know, if what I say, this is beginning of the year, maybe not, but the, the future with those two players in particular to match alongside fee, it's very bright. And if you can, throw somebody else in there, um, add somebody else to the team, um, and go along with K-Mac, who is, you know, like I said, become a really solid two-way player and leader. This team, you know, they could quickly turn things around. And they, they, you know, that I don't think they had that that envision or that kind of hope at the beginning of the year that it would happen this quick. Um, and that's that's been a testament to to all the work that the coaching staff's done and and the the quick learning of you know, everybody on the roster and that's, that's resulted in a turnaround as well. But, and, that, uh, and, that, and that's going to have to continue too. I mean, right. when with now you think about how many extensions have come across the wire here in the last 48 mm-hmm. hours, 72 hours. I mean, McBride was the first one uh, or at Ariel Atkins was the first one. And then it was McBride and now Jewel Lloyd and, and mm-hmm. Kalia Copper and, um, and Benajia Laney all, you know, th- you know, three targets that everybody thought that, would enter unrestricted free agency and um you know and at least hear offers from other teams before potentially deciding to resign with their respective teams um none of them now are going to unrestricted free agency so um the links are really going to have to have to hope that 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 diamond miller really takes a huge step forward in in her second year um on both sides of the ball if if they want to make up for you know, not being able to go star hunting in free agency, um, mm-hmm. you know, that might have to, might have to come in the the trade market, but, but we'll see. Um, so really fascinating <laughs> development when you think about kind of, I, I guess, probably what they were planning for from a uh, roster standpoint over the long view. Um, but, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe they're still ahead of schedule and they weren't initially planning on going star hunting this free agency, um, this coming free agency anyway. So um, yeah, it'd just be, really interesting to see how that kind of development focus versus go out and uh, try to accrue, you know, more talent um, will, will play out, um, 
you know, independent of, of whatever happens in this, uh, this playoffs here. Uh, on the flip side of things, has have there been any to you disappointments that, that have taken place this year that maybe you had higher hopes for, you know, at the beginning of the year or during the year? Yeah, I'd certainly say that the aerial power situation was, was disappointing um, just in the sense that uh, last year and, and two years ago, we saw, Oh, aerial aerial powers potential as a as a really important score um, for the team, and there were plenty of games where the Lynx needed more scoring. Um, but then when they did put aerial powers in the game, sure she scored. But if you wanted to do uh, what what we at Canis on the on the Wolf side of the house called the D'Angelo Russell tracker, where you then count how many points she's responsible for giving up, whether it's she gives up an offensive rebound and someone gets a putback or gets fouled. She falls asleep off ball and someone cuts for an easy basket or she turns it over or, you know, all these other things that, that have totally outweighed her scoring, even when she's been on the floor this season. Um, and then obviously there's the the very public, uh, you know, I guess, you know, disconnect between her and, and the coaching staff where she is publicly during warmups at games telling fans to ask coach why she isn't playing when Cheryl has, you know, been very blunt saying, you know, players earn their, their minutes at practice and, you know, the players who are playing on the floor have earned their minutes in practice um, and all that stuff. I mean, it's just been, it's just been, I think, uh, kind of like the only I guess black cloud hanging over the team in a little bit and it's really not that big of a, an issue because I I you know like there have been so many more bright spots to to outweigh that but I think that's just been like the only real downside I think that um you know you you could also point out you know Jess Shepard uh how, how often she's been in the lineup this season but again like that's just kind of how it's how it's been with her um, since she's been in the league. Um, and, you know, it's just a really unfortunate seeming reality at this point, um, because I think everybody really likes Jess um, as a teammate, um, as a player. She, she's her impact has been undeniable when she's been on the floor this season. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that's just something that that everybody, myself included, can hope for moving forward is that, um you know, that, that she can stay healthy just because when she she has played, um, you know, she's been really impactful and, and and does a lot of things to open up this offense, especially for Fee. And and I think her passing, um, getting her to be able to play with Diamond Miller a lot more um, would have been really helpful for um, further development for Diamond just as a cutter and a player off the ball. Um, so that's something that, that I certainly hope to to see more of next season. Yeah, I, I would agree that the 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 AP situation is is probably the, the top disappointment. Um, I, I'd even pair, you know, the injuries of Lindsay Allen and Jess Shepard together uh, just because Lindsay Allen was playing, as we talked about earlier, she was playing awesome. Like she was, she's taking over that starting position at, at the point. Um, you know, she's playing the best that she has in a Lynx uniform and to see her go down for, you know, extended period of time is unfortunate. Um, and then, like you said, with with Jess Shepard, I think this was a year that everyone's like, OK, she's going to go into that starting role and we're going to see what we have. And unfortunately, as as you mentioned, she's been out more than she's played. Um, so those two things are definitely a disappointment. Everybody deals with injuries. But, you know, when it comes to the the hopes of those two players and, and kind of what we've seen um, this year, it was it's kind of more of a, a disappointment than than it normally would be to to, to kind of see them go down. But. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if, if I highly doubt it, but let's say Lindsay Allen is able to battle back in the opening round of the the playoffs. You, you never know, or Jess Shepard. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that we'll, you know, we're going to see much of them if them at all, but um, you, you never know what, what could happen and everybody heals a little differently. So we never know. Um, but uh, kind of on that note, shifting towards the playoffs, um, as everybody knows by now, the the Lynx have the sixth seed. Um, they're going to be taking on the Connecticut Sun in the, the first round of the playoffs. Um, Jack, what are you what are you looking for in that in that series? And, and I guess what are you you kind of looking forward to? I guess. Yeah, I, I think I'm really looking forward to um, what the Lynx's game plan is for Alyssa Thomas. In that, you know, she's so strong. And, and gets anywhere she wants to go on the floor because she is so strong and so quick off the dribble. Um, and, and just is, has such a good, has such a good understanding of spacing on the floor and where she can get into these little, uh, you know, openings in the defense and, and just kind of bide her time and wait in the weeds and then just kind of strike um, where the ball just gets to her really quickly in these spots. And then she just makes really quick moves um, and scores or, or opens things up for her teammates. And, and I think because she is so physically strong that it can oftentimes take two defenders to deal with her inside. And then, you know, if you want to bring two to her as a score um, and then the leading, I think she was, she ended up finishing as the leading uh, a sister in terms of total assists this season, maybe. Um, I think because I think Vandersloot won assists per game, but I don't think, think Sloot so. played as much as, right. as AT did. But, anyways, like I, I think it's kind of going to become like, a, are you able to force her to be a scorer more than her playmaking? Like, I, I think that if the links, obviously there's no stopping her, right? I, I think if you can choose whether you're taking away her playmaking or taking away her scoring, I think if you can take away what she does as a playmaker more so than what she does as a scorer, you're going to give yourself a better chance to, to win that game. Um, you know, the Lynx obviously have, have played Connecticut three times this season. Um, they're, they're one in three against the sun in those games. And, and I really think that if you just want to go and you want to go and, and look back at, uh, at each of those three games and just see like, okay, what was Alyssa Thomas able to do in these games? Um, you know, the Lynx really, you know, didn't do a good job of, of limiting what she does, especially as a, as a passer um, in the first game. It was just such a blowout because everybody was was scoring with ease that she only had two dimes. But then over the next two games, she had 23 assists um, and, and the Lynx won the second game. But that that was mostly a byproduct of of being able to slow down everybody else around her. Um, you know, Bonner had 31 in that win. Um, and then Thomas had 17, DJ Carrington had, had 11, but then no one else was in double digits. Um, and, and I think that if there's, there's two paths to victory really, and it's trying to shut down everybody that's not Alyssa Thomas and Dewana Bonner and just kind of like to force those two almost to, to make every play and, and make every shot or, um, or really try to try your best to take those players away. But the thing is for the Lynx is it's kind of a tough matchup. Mm-hmm. Like you can put fee on Alyssa Thomas, but Alyssa Thomas is a lot stronger than fee is. And you don't want fee getting in foul trouble um, where I think it could honestly make some sense to put Jess Shepard on, 
um, on Alyssa Thomas. I would assume that Jess is, is going to be able to go. I'd assume that's why they were holding her out. Um, just cause she's more physical and she's, she's stronger. And if Jess gets in foul trouble, at least you've got some more options to replace what she can do. Um, so I, yeah. And then I would personally put fee on Dewana Bonner, um, just because I think fee's done pretty well with that Brianna Stewart assignment, um, in the, in the couple of games that they played, played the Liberty with her. Um, not, not so much that, that last game, obviously, um, just cause Stewie was unconscious and made literally everything. Um, but yeah, I think, I think putting fee on Dewana Bonner and just crowding her every single time she catches the ball, um, would probably be what I do and then have just a, a rotating stable of bodies that you can just throw at, at, at Alyssa Thomas to try to make her uncomfortable and give her different looks and then, you know, let the, let the cards fall where they may from there. So I'd, I'd really say it's just how, how they're going to defend each of those two players, um, is going to be what I'm looking for most. Cause that tells me what the links are prioritizing in the, in the matchups. Mm-hmm. When it comes to like the, the links side of things too, the, the thing that not, I mean, Connecticut hasn't just done it to Minnesota, but they've done it to every league this year or team this uh, season is they can turn you over early and often. Um, they're a good defensive team. I, I think that that's going to be, you know, a, a big thing for Minnesota. That's been an Achilles heel for this team um, throughout the year is, is not being able to, you know, control the ball or hold onto the ball um, and give up, you know, turnovers that end up hurting them on the other end. Um, and that's something Connecticut does really well. Um, so for me that, you know, especially without having a Lindsay Allen in the lineup, that's, you know, that, that is tough to, um, you know, Lindsay Allen's obviously a player that doesn't turn the ball over that often or really at all. So, I mean, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Minnesota is able to take care of the ball. Um, and, and if they're not, how much that hurts them on the other end. Um, so, I, I think yeah, that they, I mean, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, they had, they had 19 turnovers in the game mm-hmm. that they won. Yeah, um, that's true. Which is is crazy. I mean, it's a great point the way that they just trap and, and throw so much pressure at people above the level of the screen. Yeah, it it's it's going to be a very. Um, I think that that's maybe one of the you know biggest things I'm focusing on when you're looking at at the you know the kind of the little aspects of of the game and everything that feeds into the ultimate outcome. Um, you know, Connecticut is as you mentioned, they're talented in the post, so they're they're probably going to control the boards. Um, so it's it's basically about just not shooting yourself in the foot and being able to you know do okay offensively to try and stick with them. And if they can do that, they're going to be in the game. But um, I mean, Connecticut is, is a ultimately they're, they're a tough team. They're a top three team for a reason. Um, but it, and if they had Bree Jones, man, this would be, obviously that'd be even a tougher matchup, but um, they're, they're good with, without Bree Jones. But if he, if he had Bree Jones in that lineup, they would be scary. But yeah. Um, and I, and I think too, just kind of, sticking with that as well um i mean the the thing with connecticut is that their rotating cast has been so hit and miss this Mm -hmm. season i think like when you look at the course of the whole season they've been they've been largely very good when you look at at heideman and and hayes and and ty harris too um and 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 dj carrington too who's a sixth woman of the year candidate um Mm -hmm. you know it's it's just going to be really interesting to see you know, who the links prioritize in, in trying to, trying to slow them down because it, they, they, the, the sun have a team where anybody can, any of those players I just mentioned can go for, for 20 points and an easy 20 points at that. Whereas the links just don't have that. And mm-hmm. I, and I think 
so much of what the links do starts at at the defensive end of the floor and just being able to to limit those you know limit those players just to give yourself a chance to keep up with them scoring wise right mm-hmm. um and and it's you know and, and the links too are gonna have to stay out of foul trouble i think that's the biggest thing too if, if they get into foul trouble um you know who they're replacing starters with um in my opinion, just it, they're just not as deep of a team as uh, as Connecticut is. And I think that, um, you know, the more the Lynx can kind of muck it up and um, and keep this just a low scoring dogfight with play in the half court that uh, kind of keeps Connecticut out from running in transition and, and turning those turnovers into points, I think is going to be is going to be huge. So um, it's just just. Every Lynx fan should be praying that Nafisa Collier and and Diamond Miller and Caleb McBride um, stay stay out of foul trouble because the, the reality is is like they can beat this team two out of three times, um, but they just they they have to play with so few mistakes and obviously that's something that has been difficult for the Lynx to do this year. But um, that's what's fun about the playoffs is hopefully you know it can kind of all come together at the at the right time. Mm-hmm. We'll. Uh kind of a a little bit of a preview for people that it'll probably be out by the time um, or around the same time that that this podcast drops. But, um, you know, Canis Hoopas will have a a playoff preview um, coming up here before the the game on Wednesday, Um, just kind of breaking down both sides of things, X factors, that kind of stuff, um, and ultimately predictions, um, which is my next question. Um, I I personally think that Connecticut's going to win the series. I think Minnesota is going to take one of the first games in in Connecticut, one of the you know, either game one or game two. I also ultimately think that Connecticut's going to win two three or two one, um, win two out of the three. But what what do you think is is going to take place in this series? I think the same. I think the same thing is going to happen. Um, and the reason for that is um, we just haven't seen the links over the course of of really the last month, all of August, they just haven't had any prolonged stretches of um, mistake-free basketball um, where they really have done a, I, I haven't seen them really string together, um, you know, two or three really, you know, A-grade performances. And that's what you're going to need to do if you want to win this series. Um, and we haven't seen it done against lesser competition. So I don't know why, it would be fair for us to expect that they would do it against um, against even better competition and in, in the sun. Um, and, and I think that uh, I, I think too, just the consistency factor of, of what Connecticut has They're uh, a really experienced group. Um, when you think about Bonner and uh, Thomas and, and Heidemann um, and I mean, even throwing somebody like, like DJ Carrington in there um, that, that's played with this team now for, um, for years and they've been in the playoffs together. Um, whereas this Lynx team is still very much trying to find their way and the Lynx playing with really big minutes with, with two rookies, um, who obviously have never played in the playoffs, never played in, in a hostile playoff environment, like, like Connecticut, I'm sure will be, um, you know, I think it's just, you know, I, it's just not fair to expect that team to win. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and if and if they end up winning, awesome. I'd love to be wrong. It'd be awesome to see this team come through um, on that stage. Uh, but you know, it's just again, it's like and Cheryl would tell you, like 
if you're not doing it in practice, why are you going to, you know, how can you expect to do it in a game? And if you're not consistently doing it in a game, how can you consistently do it in the, in the playoffs for a whole series? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, again, like would I be shocked if the links were able to, you know, steal a game and then you come home, it's, you know, whatever it's, you know, one, one, and then maybe, you know, Thomas gets two fouls in the first four mm-hmm. minutes of the game. And then right. the complexion of everything just like, you know, it's just like when things go to a, a game three, game seven, you know, like what, whatever, whatever the, the winner take all game ends up being like, you just never know what could happen. Like you never know who can make shots or who misses shots. If the refs just are crazy, there's just so many factors. Um, so, mm-hmm. but I've got, I've got son winning, winning two, one. Well, aren't we lame picking the same prediction? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, what? Um, and I just think the Lynx have too much pride. They've been too uh, good of a road team to, I think, just roll over twice, um, yeah. twice on the road. I do, and agree. they've won in Connecticut this year without mm-hmm. Fee. So that is true. And and she's, I mean, Fee's averaging what twenty five and a half over two games against Connecticut. Like she has, she has, you know, she has their numbers. Essentially, it's over a two game span, but um, you know, she's she's been playing well as as well. Um, let, let's turn it over before we, we wrap things up. Let's, let's turn it over to some questions. We got some questions, um, that were sent. Um, first thing we've talked about this, um, kind of each time we're on, you, you've joined me that free agent targets, uh, the first question is, what do you think the best free agent targets available are? I think, you know, we just kind of talked about it. There's, it's kind of dwindling down now with, with the recent news, but, um, who do you think that they, they go after? And do you think there's anybody that they, they resign that, that they currently have? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I mean, in terms of free agents and players that they already have, like, I think that it's probably a pretty fair assumption that, uh, that Rachel Bannum will be back. I think that, you know, she's somebody that, um, you know, brings really important three point shooting um and is really the glue of the entire team. I think if you asked every single person on the Lynx roster who their favorite teammate is, I think like more than half the answers would be Rachel Bannum. Um like you you cannot discredit that when you look at how this team with similar talent to last year has been able to perform, you know, better uh I it's I think so much of that has to do with the team chemistry and that starts and ends with with Rachel Bannum. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would expect her to be back. Um, you know, again, like I'd expect Lindsay Allen to be back now that there are you know so few uh, like star options available at guard out there. Um, I, I'd expect I'd expect Lindsay to be back. Um, and then I'd also expect um, Bridget Carlton to be back. Um, again, another person on the team who you ask everybody who their favorite teammate is like, I, there are going to be people that would say Bridget Carlton too. Um, and, and, you know, the, the links have played really well when, when Carlton gets extended minutes and, um, and again, another person who can provide, you know, really timely three point shooting that's been important for this team and, and somebody who, um, you know, really understands what, what Cheryl likes to do, um, and is, and is, and is always in the right spot. Um, but as for, you know, as for free agents now that, now that they, they could go after, um, you know, it's, it's kind of slim pickings to be mm-hmm. honest. I, I, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be, 
be surprised if if they tried to go after um, somebody like a, a Natasha Cloud. I haven't seen that she's signed a contract extension anywhere, but she's that type of fiery two-way guard that I'm sure Cheryl would would Cheryl would love to have. Um, you know, you you also think about the fact that this team needs more shooting. Um, you know, so somebody like Beck Allen is with from Connecticut is is somebody that um that is a name that comes to mind in terms of the way that, that she's able to to shoot off movement um and, and stretch a defense out. Um and then you know if you want to look at you know additional uh you know additional depth beyond that, I mean it's it just gets there's just not a whole lot of options out there. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I think like, and especially players that may have been kind of under the radar um, that now aren't like like a Jordan Canada. Like it is, there's, I think there's probably like no chance that she doesn't end up going back to the Sparks after the season that she's had there. Um, you know, then, then you look at, you know, a, a restricted free agent potentially who, who could get priced out like Maureen Johannes, um, from from the Liberty, I think is a player that it could get priced out with that, with them having to resign. Uh, I believe John Quell and Stewie and Laney. Um, I think the ex- expectation is that Courtney Vandersloot is going to retire um, after this season, um, and that's pr- probably a big reason why Laney is is already signed a contract extension. Um, so. Yeah, like there, there just aren't a whole lot of a whole lot of options out there. I mean, you look at someone like Diamond Shields is a is a bigger name, but again, like not somebody that has been able to stay healthy. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Alana Smith is a really versatile forward for Chicago. Um, that is a player that I think would fit really, really well with what the Lynx like to do. But uh, again, probably somebody that the Sky, who have a lot of cap space, are going to be interested in and re-signing this season. Um, so it's, you know, I also wouldn't be surprised if, if the Lynx kind of did something like they initially did with Millich, where there's a player overseas that hasn't been in the WNBA that they try to go after that, that none of us have, have heard of before. Um, again, that, that's something that, you know, I, again, look at the Lynx, they, they went after Maya Hirsch and, and the, you know, in the, in the draft this past year, player that, that not really anybody outside of the diehard draft um, people had, had really heard much about, um, but, but really rose quickly and something that, and the links have, have always played in that international market, um, mm-hmm. you know, under Cheryl Reeve. So um, that, that's also something that, that I'd keep in mind. I don't know. Do you have any other, any names beyond that? I was initially just, just kind of thinking now that it, it dwindled down, I was, you know, Courtney Williams is kind of an intriguing option to me as well. You know, she, she is that fiery, kind of two-way player but she can do a little bit of everything um she's kind of established or been that type of player for chicago this year i don't know if they can you know they keep her you mentioned they do have a lot of money but if she does at the market i think that that's something i would maybe look at um because she can kind of play multiple positions too and she can be flexible as well but um that's just one player that initially outside of the ones that you mentioned that that comes to mind for me and she's also that veteran uh presence as well but um it I don't know. It all depends on personality fit, scheme fit, player fit, all of the above. So it'll be interesting to to see, but it's it's starting to dwindle down very fast. That's for sure. But, yeah, 
Yeah, no kidding. It's uh, it's I think I think, too, it'll just be interesting to see what these teams that don't have a lot of cap space do in terms right. of prioritizing which players are going to come back. Because I, I just think the WNBA is a league where you see players taking pay cuts all the time. Um, and you just wonder, like, how long some of these teams can expect players to continue to do that without winning titles. Um, right. So, yeah, exactly. We'll go to the next question. Um, this one's from Nathan on Twitter. He said, do you have any insights or feelings on the morale or cohesion of the team? I see and hear a lot of um, see a lot about how there's dysfunction in the locker room between the players and coaches. To me, I, I would say that it's almost the exact opposite. Um, I mean, there's with specific players, there's definitely, you know, some tension or, you know, rifts between players and coaches. You have that with any team, but I would say that this team's very close and the cohesion is, is great. And that's why they've been playing so well together. Um, what what are your take or what is your take on that, Jack? Yeah, I mean, I think it was rife with that last mm-hmm. season. Um, but I also think that there was this like huge overhang of we got to do this for Sill. And that still was like this larger than life figure that was universally adored and everybody wanted to do it for her so badly and there was just this mounting pressure on everybody, I think, that they just didn't want that day or Sill was going to be done playing to come. And mm-hmm. um, and it just wasn't a team that fit well, super well, or fit super well on the court last year either. Um, and, uh, and the Lynx really this season prioritized like getting people you know, mm-hmm. not just players, but people that they thought would really fit with this locker room. And that's that's exactly what is um, you know, what has happened this year. Um, like Tiffany Mitchell is fit in really, really well with this group. I know she's really, really well liked, um, you know, within the locker room. Everybody loves Dorka and Diamond um, like Diamond's personality is like continuously something that everybody on this team raves about. Um, and they both work incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I really haven't heard any much of anything in terms of like players complaining about playing time uh, outside of like powers, but that's again, like been very public. Um, and I just think it's a bunch of people who really, really enjoy being around one. Like you've heard Kayla McBride talk at length about how much she loves everybody on this team, loves playing for Cheryl, loves the culture and the community and going to work every day with these people. Like she did not say that last year. Mm-hmm. She said that she cared a lot about the Minnesota Lynx culture and trying to uphold that from, you know, years past when they had all the legends. Um, and she talked about it a lot in 2021 when fee was around um, and, and they just had a better team. Um, and you didn't hear that last year and you're hearing it again this year. And that's because everybody loves playing with each other. And mm-hmm. Uh, I I really don't think there have been a lot of like, hey, what about me uh, going on in that in that locker room? I know a lot of teams sometimes talk about the, you know, the we over me stuff and how it's all about the team and not not personality wise. And a lot of times that's talk. Um, it's kind of a public face. But I genuinely think that this team believes that and they buy into that. And that's that's something that, that goes a long way, especially with a young team. 
Um, that there, you know, there's somebody that like, like you said, Kale McBride has talked about it at length of, you know, she doesn't care how she does on any given night. She just wants to win the dang game. And that goes a lot of way, a long ways. Um, I mean, it, anybody on this team can step up and nobody else even thinks twice about it. And that, you know, having those relationships and that cohesiveness, that chemistry, that, you know, what, whatever you want to call it is, is very important, especially when you're trying to build a foundation. Um, that that's something that's you know goes a long way and um, I yeah I I guess I haven't really heard too much of of you know people being upset or like you said playing time or and that's usually the biggest thing is playing time but um, yeah outside of I guess maybe the the power situation it's been a been smooth sailing this year and I and I think this team hangs out with each other more than mm-hmm. a lot more than the average WNBA team does yeah um like I know obviously like it's very common on other WNBA teams that players will live in the same building or you know live close together or what have you but like these players are together at like each other's apartments posting mm-hmm. on you know Instagram or Twitter or whatever all the time um and that doesn't matter if they're on an extended homestand, if there's a break in games, if they're on the road, like, um, you know, there's just a lot of that this season, which is yeah. important. The other thing too, is like, you can't get this from TV, but you can get it. You can sure get it. Excuse me. When you're at a game is no matter who's on the floor, look at how the bench reacts to when a player scores. Mm-hmm. I think that there has been equal opportunity cheering on the bench. And what I mean by that is like, it doesn't matter if Fee scores or if Lindsey Allen scores or if Tiffany Mitchell scores or Rachel Bannum or Bridget Carlton or Millich or Dork, whoever. Like they all support each other, you know, wildly on the bench. And I think that that's like, it sounds really dumb. Like, yeah, it's not sixth grade basketball, but like that stuff matters, man. Mm-hmm. Like all the, like when you know that like your teammates really support you when you're in the game it doesn't matter if you're playing well, playing poorly, like that stuff matters. And I think that that really contributes to like team chemistry more than, than any of us think. And especially when players are, are playing their butts off, working really hard in practice, but maybe they're not playing a bunch and then go into a game and then succeed. Like players really support like that stuff matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big reason why the links in the views of a lot of people, not around the team or around the league, um, or or excuse me, not around the team, but around the league in general, um, have like thought that this team has achieved more than the sum of its parts. And that's Mm -hmm. because of a lot of the intangible team chemistry, really enjoying each other, getting along with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what has made it fun to cover is just like the people on the team this year um, are just are just great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and that's why like a player like a Rachel Bannon is is so key to this team because she like you said earlier she's the glue um you know she is that personality that kind of ties all that together too and and that goes a long way you everybody if you have somebody like that no matter how you're performing you have a spot on the roster um, yeah and, and, and rachel's that player and like look around the league how many players there are like that who may mm-hmm. not play a ton but are critical to the team chemistry and the leadership of the team um and that really matters i think that matters like as much in the WNBA as it does in any professional league, because these players are playing year round. Mm-hmm. Like you go look at the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, whatever. None of those players are playing year round. Like 
sure, you could say that like players who are playing in the World Cup for NBA are playing, but that's not what they do every year. Like the Kayla McBrides of the world that play bas- competitive basketball in season 12 months out of the year, like there are going to be some patches where like you are inevitably just like run down and tired and don't want to come to work or, you know, just like you have a tough day, like you're a human being, right? And you come in the building and you see somebody like Rachel Bantam that's just like messing around, lightening the mood, like, you know, making everything fun. That what like that really matters, especially Mm -hmm. when you don't have the greatest travel situations. You're stuck waiting for connecting flights or delays and all this other stuff that comes through the course of a WNBA season. And and you can find a way to make the tough days good days or, you know, make them slightly better over the course of a season. Like all that stuff matters. And and I think like you look at like a Sydney Colson for the aces, like, yep. and you ask anybody on that aces team, like how important is that stuff to why you win? I guarantee you that every single player would say it's a huge part and that Sydney Colson has a huge thing to do with it. And mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the Lynx and Rachel Bannon, man. Like she could teach a master class and how to be yourself and just like how to go through life, making sure everybody has a good time. Like if she taught that class, like everybody would, everybody would learn a thing or two. And it's, it's just been fun to watch. Um, and, and I think like when you remove the basketball part of it and it's just like going to cover a team or going to like, I don't know just like see people talk to people see what everybody's doing or you go to the arena and people are just like haven't started warming up yet and you just see like how all these people interact with different team staff or the the ball boys and ball girl like it's just it 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 just makes it like so much more fun so i can only imagine what it's like to to actually be like on that team and, and enjoy that every single day um so yeah this is a, a PSA, uh, PSA to uh, Rachel Bannum to teach a class on this because I want to take that. Um, and I will be one of the first people to sign up if that's ever the case. So I'll, I'll go back to school to, to take that class if, we, if need be. <laughs> um, final question we have um, is from Tarika Foster Brasby from ESPN, who uh, was on the podcast a little bit earlier in the season. She asked about. Uh, She's awesome. She is awesome. She's great. Her and. Uh, China Robinson doing their around the room show is is phenomenal, um, as well as just Tarika's um, coverage of the league and, and everything in between. It's it's great. Um, she asked about an update on Lindsay Allen. We we had talked about that a little bit. Um, initially, it was a four to six week timeline. Um, she was injured. What she played her last game was um, August tenth. So I guess she's coming up on maybe around that four week timeline. I don't anticipate her especially after getting that recent update of her remaining in a cast. I don't think that, you know, she, I don't know. I don't want to assume because we haven't heard anything official, but I would, you know, imagine she's probably out at least for this first round. I and, know, Maybe she's getting closer to coming back, but I, I just don't see it. And the other thing with Rachel um, too, is, is Rachel also had a, a non-surgically right. repaired thumb fracture. Mm-hmm. Um earlier this season and that was a three to four week injury so not the same injury but um it was about a week that she was out once she was out of a cast mm-hmm. um and and progressed into like a, a much smaller uh or excuse me i should say once she was out of a hard cast um and progressed into you know one of those like removable right. you know thumb casts that you 
you have that are I should say it's more of a device than a than a cast. Um, and so she was only out a week really once she got out of the hard cast. And and last we saw Lindsay Allen, um, she was she was still in a hard cast. So I'd say that it's it's probably pretty tough to go straight from a hard cast to um to play. And plus then you gotta factor in too like the the ramping up to game shape. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I would be pretty shocked um, if if she played in any of these games, um, but um, you know who knows. Um, you know we'll 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 get official word. Um, I'm sure this week. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, Jack, I appreciate it. I appreciate you joining as always. Um, great conversation with you. Uh, we'll have plenty of, as I said, coverage at at Canis Hoopus, CanisHoopus.com um, throughout the playoffs, um, leading up to the playoffs during, um, and then I'm sure afterwards, um, whenever that may be, we'll, we'll have some stuff as well. So uh, appreciate you joining um, and let's get this, get this postseason underway. Absolutely, man. You're the man. I appreciate you having me and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Jack. Thank you once again to Jack for joining the podcast this week. As I say, every time when, when Jack is on or, or when I'm just talking to him in general, it's always great chatting with him. Um, always great talking links. He's very knowledgeable of the links, as you can tell. Um, he, he really breaks down this team in every aspect, statistic-wise, um, or, or just you know, through the eye test or, or personnel-wise or you know, chemistry-wise, everything. Um, so Jack is great, and, and I really do appreciate him joining um, we'll definitely have him on again, and uh, either this season or or definitely in the off season leading up to next season as well. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Jeremy Rushing. Jeremy does a great job in the back end of the podcast, uh, you know, making this sound great every week, making sure that I sound less crazy than I actually am. Um, so I, I appreciate Jeremy for uh, doing everything he does in the back end of this podcast, producing it, making sure it gets out in a timely fashion. Um, making it sound good, as I said. Uh, Jeremy does a lot of great stuff, and I appreciate all of his work for hitting the hardwood. Um, I also want to point out a couple of our, our, our sponsors, as we do every week. Um, homage and hitting, or excuse me, I almost said hitting the hardwood. Um, you're listening to hitting the hardwood. Um, I, the second one is Better Edge. Uh, let's start off with Better Edge. Better Edge, you can go to be, uh, betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com. Please go check them out to, you know, get a lot of, uh, you know, a, basically a, a, one of the best betting experiences that you can get. Um, betteredge.com forward slash links. If you go to that URL or that link, um, you'll be able to get $20 in free play when you use the promo code links. That's L-Y-N-X if you're a first time user. Um, and if you go to Better Edge, you'll be able to bet against people like me, do competitions. As, as the playoffs start coming up, I'll be doing pick em competitions, other competitions, um, you can bet against me, you can bet against yourself, you can bet against friends, you can bet against whoever else you want, um, and you're supporting local. Uh, Better Edge is a Minneapolis-based company, and they do a lot of great work in the community, partnering with other people, and uh, you know I'm a little biased, but they, they do also partner with uh, something called Hitting the Hardwood. So I appreciate those guys, they're great. Uh, we deal with Greg all the time, and Greg has been phenomenal. Um, so I appreciate all the guys at Better Edge. Please go check them out, betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com. Second one is Homage. Um, as I mentioned um, in the past, um, Homage does a lot of great vintage gear, a lot of great vintage clothing. Um, they do a lot of good uh, WNBA gear as well, Link stuff. Um, if you, I, I mean, I have. If you go visit their um, WNBA page um, and their their teams within the WNBA pages, um, you'll find uh, some Links gear. I have the hoodie and the T-shirt, the blue hoodie and the blue T-shirt. I love them both. I also have the charcoal or dark kind of black um, WNBA shirt. 
Um, very comfy shirt as well. I wear, I no joke, wear it all the time. I'm wearing it right now as I'm recording this podcast more than my WNBA shirt. So um, please go check them out. It's homage, H-O-M-A-G-E.com. A lot of great stuff, a lot of, a lot of great gear, and it's definitely worth checking out. I know I will be uh, buying some more stuff here in the future. So thank you to Homage and Better Edge. And I also thank you to you, the listeners, um, for listening throughout the regular season. As I mentioned, the regular season is now over. Um, the Minnesota Lynx have the number six seed. Um, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that the Lynx would be a playoff team or have the number six seed threatening as high as the four seed at one point, they were in the fifth spot, um, I would have probably told you that you were nuts. And, um, you know, I, and that's saying, you know, I... I, at the beginning of the year, I predicted that this team would finish 18 and uh, 22. So, I mean, I'm I kind of right along that 19 and 21. Um, so, it, you know, I, I anticipated this team to perform like this, but after they started the way they did, I had my doubts and, and I did not think that they were going to, you know, bounce back the way that they have. So, this team has played really well um, at, at times and it's played, you know, kind of bad at times. And, and it's, been an up and down season, but hey, you reach playoffs, you give yourself give yourself a chance, and that's all you can hope for. So Minnesota will um, begin the best of three first round. Um, the first two games will be in Connecticut. First game on Wednesday will be in Connecticut. Sunday in Connecticut, and then um, on September twentieth, uh, winner take all game three will be back in Minneapolis at Target Center if it reaches to that point. So um, it'll be an interesting series. Uh, the winner of that advances to the semifinal round. Um, where it'll be a best of five series before um, reaching the WNBA finals, which is also a best of five series. So we're getting there. Um, we're we're getting to the getting to the most exciting time of the year. Playoffs are starting. As you're listening to this podcast, it'll be a, a day maybe um, if you're listening to it on Tuesday as it drops. Um, otherwise, at some point in the year, the the playoffs will be underway. But um, you know we're we're days away or um, underway with the postseason. So it's it's a very exciting time. Very exciting for the Lynx. Very exciting for the fans. Um, and as I said, it's one of my personal favorite times of the year. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you enjoy watching basketball. I hope you enjoyed the regular season as it, as it now is over with. Um, and there's a lot to, to be happy about and to also um, you know, want to shore up when it comes to the Minnesota Lynx um, you know, beyond this season. Um, but before we can get to that point, we got to finish up the postseason and finish out the playoffs. So we're here. We're here for uh, here for the playoffs. Um, it's hard to believe that they're here already. It feels like the season just started back in May, um, but we're here. And uh, I hope you have a great time. Hope you enjoy it. Soak it all in. Enjoy basketball. It's the greatest time of the year. So uh, thank you for listening once again. Um, enjoy all the basketball that is going to take place and will be taking place and has taken place and everything in between. So it's I, it, as you can tell, I'm I'm giddy just thinking about it. So thank you all for listening again. I will talk to you all next Tuesday. Have a great week. Thank you.